And I'll ask you to turn tonight to Proverbs chapter 23. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 23 is where I'm headed. And uh, Pastor, in line with what you just said a minute ago about sending it to other people, including pastors and some of the other groups, you're looking at somebody who many years ago, Betty and I had only been married about two years. I was a university student and pastor of a small First Baptist Church in a county seat town in West Tennessee, Southern Baptist Church. And I went to my mailbox one Friday and there was a copy of the world's greatest newspaper. <laughs> I'm serious. I had never heard of it, knew nothing about it. In fact, all I knew, I'd, grew, I'd grown up in the convention. I didn't know any different. But I soon discovered. And as a result of the influence of Dr. John Rice, there came a point where I felt I had been retutored and retooled for the ministry. And uh, I kept going to college and grad school and all that stuff <coughs> through the years. But I really feel like the best education that I got came off the pages of this paper. And uh, as a result of that, uh, late in the year of 1976, <clears throat> I resigned another First Baptist Church on the West Coast, a strong church, walked out on the street with no place to go, with one thing to be said for it, we walked out to become an independent Baptist. Amen. And uh, you can tell by looking at me, we hadn't missed any meals. <laughs> Lord was very good to us. We walked out. We, did, we didn't own a house. I had car payments. Uh, and in fact, after that, we had house payments. Uh, and we had two kids in school and a dog. And uh, we, <clears throat> we just managed fine. Lord took care of us. And the greatest days of the ministry that the Lord had let us be in from early on from my high school days. The Lord had been so good. He's, he's blessed us beyond anything we could ever imagine. And then uh, April will be 26 years since I became editor of the paper. And, uh, you know, I still, I still walk around the halls at the sword. I still walk around there just every little bit and just remind myself of the price that Dr. John Rice paid to get it going. Dr. Hudson was there for 14 years. And for the privilege that I have to man the the thing and, and keep things rolling, I'm, I'm blessed beyond measure and just thankful to God for the privilege that we have to influence so many people around the world. And we thank you for all y'all done for us today. Uh, that uh, anonymous gift that was given this morning and other things that you all do month by month and as a part of your program, we appreciate it so very, very much. Now I've learned some things today. <coughs> Number one, um, I, lear I learned from uh, Brother Nehron about how to make an announcement. <laughs> I mean, seriously. He, he kept us on the string for five minutes telling us things we didn't even want to know about, but he wanted us to know because <laughs> we were waiting to hear. You know, and I, I said, I, I, no, I did. I learned something about that. Uh, there's, there's an art to making announcements, and I think he's got the master's degree in that. <laughs> And then I learned about how to do a testimony meeting. Pastor, I've, I've done some testimony meetings and I've always had a problem, but I know how to do them now. 
That, uh, I don't know what that bell cost, but it's worth whatever you paid for it. Amen? <laughs> that was good. And I, I, I'm, t I'm serious. I, I take note. When I see good things, I mark it down. <clears throat> and I'm still, I'm still a student. I'm still trying to figure stuff out. Amen? And, uh, and Brother Milan, I'm going to tell you, like, uh, like, I tell, uh, like my kids tell me. Now, of course, both of my children are, are well adults themselves long since. They have adult children, too. <coughs> and, um, and my family, they've done several, several music albums, and they're, Betty and I think they're quite good. <laughs> but I keep saying to them, I keep saying, uh, you know, it looks like on your next album you could find just one little spot to include Daddy, you know, and let me, let me sing. And you know what my kids say? They say, Daddy, we're praying about it. <laughs> and that's as far as it's gotten. So, Brother Milan, I'm, I'm putting everything together for the National Sword Conference right now, but I'm, I want you to know I'm just praying about it. <laughs> oh, listen, don't, don't you love it when you come to church and th things, are, things are anchored right? Leadership keeps things anchored, but also leads in a way that you walk away from church on Sunday night saying it was so good to be in the house of the Lord. And I know, Brother Bloom, you and your dear dad who's in heaven now have provided leadership here for a long, long time. And that's the reason why that you have such a tremendous ministry and great church. <clears throat> because you all have led, and as a tribute to all of you who have just said, hey, this is, we're going to go with this. And you're all a part of that as has been testified here so much. And God bless you for it. Now, Proverbs 23. Do come by the table. A little bit left over there. The books I'm giving away if you sign up for the paper. So please come by at the end of the service and uh, <coughs> I will be glad to see you and bump elbows with you. Amen. Just elbows. All right. Proverbs chapter 23 and I begin reading in verse 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom, and instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she, she that bare thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Now if you keep your Bible open, I'm going to look at more of this chapter than just this, but here's the key. Verse number 23, chapter 23, verse 23, says, By the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and uh, understanding. Buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. There are four commodities named in this passage, namely truth, wisdom, instruction, understanding. Now if something is the truth, that means it's right. That means those are the facts. That means you've got the, uh, you've got the spiffy on that. 
On the other hand, if you do not have the truth, what you have is a falsehood. You have something that has been tampered with, and it no longer represents a 100% uh, representation of the facts. So you have a contrast here. You have truth on one hand, and its antithesis is something that is untrue or false. This passage says, looking around, shop around all that you will, look at all the things that are out there, but whenever you make your choice, whenever you decide to buy, buy the truth. Do not buy its opposite. The second commodity here is wisdom. Now, I'm going to define wisdom like this. It, it would be impossible for you to be wise without the truth. But once you have the truth, you need some capacity for utilizing that truth. You need, you need a distinguishing ability that enables you to properly operate with the facts that you have in your hand. And that's where wisdom comes in. If, uh, if you know things and you say, hey, I got the truth, all right, then let's use it wisely. Let's, let's use it with discretion, etc. Now, wisdom, it also has an antithesis, and that, that opposite is foolishness. Um, you can play the fool. If you, I mean, you could be in possession of the truth and still play the fool. Uh, you, you, could, you could say, oh, I, I know all about that. I've got all that down, man. I, I understand that. But then you could go out and do something that is absolutely off the rails wrong, and uh, just forget about being wise and play the fool. <clears throat> so what does he say? When you shop around, buy truth, and then buy wisdom to go with it. And then thirdly, he says that we're to buy instruction. Now, you say it doesn't, doesn't say, well, yeah, but it does. Because uh, the day I was born, I had everything to learn. That you were born, you had everything to learn. Uh, I'm, I'm grateful that my, my little mother uh, took seriously raising her eldest child, her first child, and um, even though she was just a teenager herself, um, she, I mean, she plugged into motherhood with, with seriousness, and, uh, and she began to teach me. When my dad got back from the Second World War, I was right at my third birthday, and, uh, and he picked up and began to help mom. And, uh, and uh, you won't be around me very long without hearing me talk about mom and dad. They're both gone. They're in heaven now. But I owe them dearly. They, they, uh, they taught me. They nurtured me. There's all kinds of uh, just uh, bits of philosophy and things like that. <coughs> that I, and I say, well, hey, listen, I learned from my dad. And uh, you say, what happened? I took instruction. I was only five years old whenever they took me to school and, and pushed me out on the parking lot and said, go through those doors and you're going you're gonna to start school. Now, in those days, about 800 years ago, <coughs> you know, they didn't have preschool. They didn't have kindergarten, K-5, K-4, K-12, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you know, some people stay a while. But anyway, uh, <laughs> they didn't have any of that. You just went in and, and Miss Mary Brown was my first grade teacher. Some of you folks at uh, OCA are going to pass out what I'm about to tell you. But it, it is for real. She, uh, she had 55, 60 students. First graders and second graders. About 30 of each in the same room. 
And she did not have anybody assisting her. But she did have a Bible laying on one corner of the desk that she read every morning. And she had a big old paddle laying on the other corner of the desk, which she used any time she felt like it. And by the way, you didn't have to have medical, uh, metal detectors at the door either. Now, I walked in five years of age. I walked in that first grade class and up over the chalkboard she had the ABCs uh, printed and in cursive. And I looked at that and I said, oh my. I mean, she started <laughs> with that. I thought, oh, that's terrible. I'll never get that. I mean, I, I remember as a five-year-old, scared me to death. But you know, I listened to Miss Mary Brown. And anytime you hear me talking about people that I owe dearly, I'll mention Miss Mary Brown because she taught me to read and read well. And I owe her for that. I took instruction from her. And I could stand here tonight and run you a list of other people I already told you about the influence Dr. John Rice had on me. You say, when you started getting the paper, you were a university student. You were already pastor of a church. You and Betty were already married. Yeah, I know. But when I began to read the uh, things that Dr. Rice put in the paper, you know what I did? I took instruction. And that instruction, I found out it was true. And I began to work to say, oh, I want to be wise with that. I want to plug that in. That's the reason I bailed out of the convention. That was a part of my wisdom steps. I took instruction. And all of us, I mean, every one of us, whatever, whether you're a teenager or a senior adult, you, at this point in your life, you have, I mean, you wouldn't have known how to get here tonight except for the fact that somebody has instructed you along the way. You couldn't read the road signs unless somebody had instructed you. And then there's one more thing here he says, bye. And that's understanding. You know, sometimes we know what the facts are, and we may even be committed, wisely so, committed to the wisdom of utilizing that properly, and we may have gotten all of that from some great giant like Dr. John Rice, or, or from your dad or your mother or whomever. But you may be standing there in a fog without understanding. I mean, I hear our people say, well, I know what the facts are, but I don't, I don't have it figured out. I just, I just can't figure out. I can't understand what God's... What. And what this passage tells me is there are four precious commodities. Truth and wisdom and instruction and understanding. And I, I need to buy those. I need to get hold of those and get them in my possession. I, I tease my wife <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I, I tease her. By the way, we don't do any harsh teasing, just, just gentle teasing. But I, I tease her about her shopping. Sometimes, you know, she'll bring groceries in the house, and I'll say, what, what's that? Well, it's something, you know, that she's bought at the store. And she'll say, uh, and I'll say, well, you don't usually go to that store. She said, oh, they had that on uh, 20 cents cheaper than the place I usually go. I say, well, where is that place? Well, it's three miles across town. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm enhancing that just a little bit, but you understand. Now, now I'm going I'm to turn it around. I, I also like to shop. I, I, I don't care one whit about going and shopping for uh, cornflakes and stuff like that. I, I, I trust her with all of that. 
But uh, Dad was in the automotive business for a lot of years. And I just, I grew up with my head under the hood, and I, I love automobiles. Now, you, you, <laughs> you say, no, but let me back up. I like automobiles, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> In fact, uh, a year ago, yeah, a year ago December, back the third day, it was the day before my birthday, third day of December, I bought a car. In fact, it was an SUV, the one I'd been looking for. It was a 2018. It was the color I wanted, burgundy. And uh, it only had 23,000 miles on it. And man, I was just, I was thrilled. In fact, Marlon and my son and I had gone and looked at it on the 3rd of October. And in order to keep my heart right every single day, I went to the computer, looked to see if they still had it, and I prayed every day. And I said, Lord, if, if you don't want me to have that, just let them sell it to somebody else. I, I looked every day for 60 days, and finally, finally, in fact, first time we went to look at it, they weren't in the mood to sell it. I called them on the 3rd of December, asked for the lady who showed it to us. She said, oh, I remember when you were here a few weeks ago. She said, you ready to get that uh, SUV? I said, no. I said, last time I was up there, y'all weren't in the mood to sell it. She said, what do you want to give for it? So I told her. And I bought it for $8,000 less than the Blue Book. I drove it for 10 months, and I discovered it had a transmission situation. I took it back to the dealership there in Murfreesboro, to the Cadillac dealership, five times, and a few weeks in between, five times in 10 months, I took it back, and every time, oh, we got it fixed, we got it fixed. Well, turns out they didn't have it fixed any of those times, and there's lawsuits all over the country about that particular vehicle. Same problem. The sixth time that I took it back in, rolled up to check in at the shop. <clears throat> there's a guy standing there, got a suit and tie on. He said, that's a beautiful automobile. I said, yes, sir, it is. I'm enjoying it very much. Just got a little transmission problem. They're trying to get fixed. He said, I'd love to have that on my lot. He said, I'm the manager of the used car lot. Huge dealership. He said, I, he said, I'd love to have that on my lot. He said, I'll, I'll buy it from you. And I said, oh, no, no, no. I said, no, I said, I'm enjoying it very much. I just want to get it fixed. <laughs> he said, why don't you let me make a bid on it? Now, he didn't know I bought it for 8000 less than the Blue Book. And I didn't tell him. <laughs> <laughs> he looked that thing over, went and checked the service record on it, came back, and he, he showed me a number. I looked at it, and I said, uh, that's not going to do it, but you're getting awfully close to buying this thing. He said, uh, how, how much closer we got to get? I said, another $2,500, and it's yours. He went and wrote me a check for it, and I had to call my son to come pick me up. <laughs> and he said, why you tell us that? Because there's some stuff. And, and I told you, I like cars. But I can buy one today and be having a big time with it. And I can sell it tomorrow. I mean, there, there's some things that you can buy and you can sell. I went to an auction the other day and bought a little Cadillac, a used one. It's about, I think it's about 10, 12 years old. Nobody wanted it. I gave $4,700 for that little Cadillac. And I'm enjoying that thing. It's, I mean, it's clean as a pen. 
$4,700, it's worth twice that. And every, about every other day, somebody says, you want to sell that? I say, if you want to buy it, yeah. Nobody's come up with the money yet. You say, what are you telling us? I'm just telling you, there, there's all kinds of stuff. Buy it if you need it. Buy it if you want it. Buy it if it becomes available. Buy it if you can afford it. But your life's not built on that. Your, your well-being is not built on that. I mean, I mean, I mean, I had life. I had, I, I had, I had a, I had a ministry. I had a family. I had all those things before I had nice wheels. And so those things can come and go. But what we're talking about here, we need to buy and never sell. He says, buy the truth, buy wisdom, buy instruction, buy understanding, and sell it not, sell it not, sell it not, sell it not. So what, I, what I'm saying to you tonight is I'm buying and I'm not selling. Now some people do sell, <clears throat> sell out. Some people sell out for popularity. Man, man, if I just go along with this, man, everybody's going to like me. There's some folks sell out for pleasure. You know, hey, man, man, this, this is great, man. I, I like, I mean, this, this feels right. I, I mean, some people, sell out for, some people sell out for prosperity. I mean, crooked or otherwise, man, it's okay, man. They, they'll just go right along with it. I mean, if they're going to make a nickel, they'll do it. Some people sell out for politics. Politics, that's many ticks. You know what a tick is. <laughs> Bloodsucker, but anyway. <laughs> I didn't have to say that. <clears throat> some people sell out for politics. There's some people, if, if it's their, their party, I mean, whatever, whatever that group does, man, it's who they're with, and they're going to go with it no matter what. You say, well, what do they need to do if their political outfit goes awry? They need to buy the truth, buy wisdom, buy instruction, buy understanding, get with that and forget the other. But some people sell out for politics. The other people sell out for promotion. Man, if I just do what I know I can do, man, I'll, I'll get that upgrade in my job. I'll get a big raise. They sell out for promotion. Some people sell out for their peers. And by the way, you, you know, I know you know, it's not just the teenagers that have peer pressure. Now, that happens for everybody. But some people give in to their peers along the way. Now here's what I'm advocating tonight. You ought to be sold out. But you ought not be a sellout. There's a difference. We ought, we ought to be sold out to the Savior, sold out to what's in this book, sold out to the good things of God, but never, never, ever sell ourselves out for a mess of pottage. Never sell ourselves out for something that the devil uh, drags in front of us. Now, there's several things in this chapter along, along the way here that helps to define this. I told you I'm buying, not selling, and verse 1 tells me that I ought to buy and not sell when I'm in the palaces of the wicked. In the palaces of the powerful. 
It simply says, when you, when you sit down to eat with a ruler, consider diligently what is before thee. Uh, you know, some, some folks, if they got invited to the White House, they'd be so awestruck. Or if they got invited to the state capitol or, or whatever, they'd be so awestruck that if, if somebody said, go jump off a mountain somewhere, they'd, they'd want to know how you get there. But I think this passage and others leads me to say that whenever we're in the presence of the powerful, I remember a few years back I was at a banquet, something we were putting on. I invited our mayor. I knew he was an unsaved man. I knew that his business was a liquor business, but he'd gotten elected mayor of our city, and I'd uh, been with him on some occasions, and uh, I invited him to the banquet, and he came, and I sat him right Betty was on one side, the mayor was on the other, and uh, while we were waiting for the food to be served, he said to me, he said, he said, I've been wanting to talk to you. He said, it's, it's about that abortion thing. He said, he, said, he said, I know what your position is, but he said, I, he said, I just can't see it. Now, I'm going to tell you, I have no idea what I ate that night. But I just kind of turned to my chair a little bit, and I said, well, Mayor, I'm, I think maybe I can help you with that. And I said, if we don't have time enough to do it tonight, I'll get with you, and we'll, we'll talk it through thoroughly. I laid my case out there in a matter of two or three minutes. He looked at me, and he said, I don't know why I didn't see that before. You say, what's the deal here? You say, you, you, you're really smart on that abortion thing. Hey, listen, I got a hold of the truth back there somewhere. We, we, we didn't just start, I mean, guys like uh, Brother, Brother Bloom and I, we, we didn't just start screaming bloody murder about that. We've been doing that uh, ever since we've had a voice to use. And, and so we, we get, we do that. It's, it's not because we know everything, but we find the truth. We get wisdom, we get instruction, we get understanding, and we go with that even in the presence of the powerful. Second thing this passage talks about, if you look at verses 4 through 6, He's talking about when we're working in the marketplace. He says, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Eat not thou the bread of him that hath an evil eye, <coughs> neither desire thou his dainty meats. He's talking about out in the marketplace. When we get out in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the day-by-day -day world, I mean, whether you're eating in a restaurant or shopping at the mall or whatever, and all of those places live by the truth. You buy something, somebody gives you back too much change, don't stick it in your pocket and run with it. You call it to their attention. Even if you discover it when you get in the car, go back in the shop, or back in the store. You, you just, you say, why, why would you do that, man? They gave you too much, man. You got, no, no, no. Because you bought the truth and you know what the truth is about that. And so even out in the marketplace, we live based on these four commodities that are laid out here. Not only that, look at verse number 10. It talks about uh, determining property lines. Remove not the old landmark, and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. Those landmarks were used to define the, the boundaries of property. If you came to my house, probably if I came to yours, and we got to looking carefully, your, your lot that your house sets on or whatever other property you have, in all likelihood, somewhere out there, there's some stakes driven in the ground that mark the boundary lines. Now, what they would do sometimes 
in ancient times. In fact, I know of a case right now, I'll not be specific about it, but it's something that I have some real close acquaintance with uh, where somebody's disputing the boundary lines and trying to get something that they don't have ownership to. And in the old times, what they'd do, you, you got a neighbor and he's a crook, so he'd come over in the dark of the night and move that stake 12 inches, 18 inches, 2 feet, and uh, leave it there for a few weeks or a few months. And another night, I mean, over a period of two or three years, he'd move it half a dozen times. Next thing you know, that, that boundary is 20 feet, 30 feet, or, or more from where it really ought to be. <clears throat> and what he's saying is here, if you and I get hold of the truth, we get hold of wisdom, we get hold of instruction, we get hold of understanding, then we won't be a crook and start moving the boundary lines, but we'll hold on to those things. The stake will be set where it ought to be set. By the way, as it applies to Central Baptist Church, I say again, both Dr. Blooms have kept the stake set where it's supposed to be set in regard to the Bible, in regard to soul winning, in regard to living right and clean lives and all of that. I mean, I know, I know what the, the, by the way, <laughs> you know, we got folks now who think, oh, if you do all those things, they'll call them old folk and old stuff, old fashioned. It's like, well, you do all those things. You won't anybody come to your church. Well, look around tonight. A lot of, a lot of those places have thrown that stuff out. I guarantee you all over town tonight, they're not even open. So it says something. Uh, verse number 13 and 14 talks about the rearing of a child. Don't hold, withhold correction. And by the way, there's nothing in the world wrong with corporal punishment. I didn't say capital punishment in this case. Nothing wrong with that either in the right, when it, in the right context. <laughs> but corporal punishment, uh, done right, done right, I'm not talking about abusing anybody, but done right, corporal punishment, it's, it's a biblical concept, and by the way, it'll correct a bunch of stuff and get it right, keep your kids out of jail. Amen. You say, how, how do we know how to raise children? We get a hold of God's truth. We apply it with wisdom. We take instruction from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and uh, Paul, and Moses, and, and, and all of the ones that have written in the Bible. You get down to verses 20 and 21, 29 through 32. There's another section, a big, two big sections here on liquor. You say, what's that got to do with truth and wisdom and understanding? It's got a lot to do with it. Got a lot to do with it. He says in verse 27, uh, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong word. Verse 20. Uh, verse 20 it says, don't, 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 don't hang out with the wine bibbers. You know, and he, he puts overeating in the same category there. I'm just, I, don't, I don't think that's intended to say that they're the same weight or whatever. But both of them are wrong. And, uh, and he, he lays out this whole thing. You get down in verse 29 and he talks about uh, a person who has woe and sorrow and contention and wounds without cause and redness of eyes. Well, who is that? It's the guy who is loading his wagon up. He's loading his mind up, loading his body up with alcohol. Alcohol's a killer. And whenever, whenever liquor is flowing... You and I need to remember what the truth is. Right. Remember wisdom, instruction, understanding. Even as a small boy growing up, I remember Dad, sometimes we'd be walking along the road somewhere and 
<clears throat> be a beer bottle or something, and dad would say, son, don't ever wrap your hand around that. Just don't ever wrap your hand around it. If you don't ever wrap your hand around it, it won't bite you. Well, I've never forgotten that. And the pace. <clears throat> and then, if you look at verse 27 and 28, verse 33, it's talking about what's described here as strange women. Now, let's, 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 let's be fair to everybody here. It's not just strange women, but strange men as well. The instruction here can apply to all of us. And what he's saying is, um, you know, people decide to go an immoral route, and it's like, it's like falling into a deep ditch, a narrow pit. And there are people just lying in wait, oh, just lying in wait. If they, if they could pull you that direction, if they could ensnare you into some immoral relationship, and you say, how, how do you not do that? You buy the truth, and buy wisdom, and buy instruction, and buy understanding. And when you lay hold of that and anchor yourself with that, then it'll keep you from falling into that pit. We need all four of these commodities. And if you buy right, you'll buy them all. I've already indicated, you can buy some things, use them and sell them, and hey, that's just the way it is. But whenever you buy these four items, you ought never to sell them. My wife, uh, her parents are both also already in heaven. They bought a little farm, 50-acre farm, 1936 when they married. And they lived on it their entire life. Her mother's been dead about 20 years, her dad about 10. <coughs> my folks, my dad's been gone about 10 years, my mom only about four, soon to be five. My folks bought a little farm, about 50 acres, 1957, and uh, lived on it for the rest of their lives. When my in-laws died, they left everything they had. Left it all. To Betty and her six brothers. When my family died, my three brothers and my sister, five of us, we divided up the estate of my parents, Betty and her brothers divided up the estate of her, her family. Now, our, our, parents, our parents were not poor, but they were certainly not rich. They left the little farms and some equipment and little of this, little of that, and we divided it among our siblings. Now, you say, why, why did you do that? Why, why, didn't, why did the neighbors not get any of it? Why, why, did, uh, why did not uh, somebody off somewhere? Well, the will in both cases said to be evenly divided among the siblings. You said, well, what was it you divided? What we divided was the estate that was left for us. I mention that tonight because whether you've thought about it or not, I'm not sure. But whether you have any property or not, I mean, when you die, if you don't have a dime left, you nonetheless have an estate that you are building right now, day by day, a legacy that you will leave for some people that you have touched and that you have influenced. If you buy the truth, buy wisdom, buy instruction, and buy understanding, and if you live that, 
every day of the week, every month of the year, every year that you live, if you'll do that, I guarantee you, there, there, there'll be some people, and, and you may be surprised who some of them are. They, they, they will watch you, they will monitor you, they will learn from you. <coughs> um, one, one of the guys here, Brother Carpenter, mentioned to me this morning, he heard me over at Pensacola talking about my being a missionary to McDonald's. <laughs> I go to McDonald's every morning, get breakfast, and uh, there's, there's a couple of people who work at the McDee's that I go to every morning. And I've been going to it for over 20 years. So I know the people who work the morning shift there and know them well. There are two people who work there who call me daddy. There's another young Oriental guy that I've met there that uh, Betty and I have become friends with. He's a Vietnamese. Uh, and he's uh, become a good friend. And he calls me daddy. Now, I understand some of that in both cases is, is cultural from their backgrounds. But every time, every time that I see them, they greet me that way. We get say hello and whatever and visit a little bit. And they go their way and they address me that way every single time. You know what it does? It reminds me that they're looking to me for input. They're looking to me for an example. They're looking to me and saying, you know, I've, I've got <clears throat> one, one, of those, one of those people has told me a dozen times, oh, you're, you're my spiritual dad. You're my spiritual father. You say, what, what is the deal with that? I, I'm just going in there and getting my breakfast. But they've learned some of what I'm built out of. And what I hear them saying is, we want some of that. I want to be like that. I want to have that in my life. I talk to them, and I don't just talk about the weather. Things come up that are not right in the conversation. I say, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Let's talk about that. And I've done that enough times with any number of them that they know where I'm going to head. They know what, what uh, tweaks me. And, and you know, you say, well, hey, you're just one little short guy. Yeah, I know, but listen, somewhere along the way, I got into the book. I found out the things that are in the book, and little by, I mean, even when I said, hmm, I don't have that quite figured out. I, I don't, I'm not sure I understand all of that, but it's in the book, and I know that it's the truth, so I'm going to buy it. I told the pastor in <coughs> the little rental car that I'm driving, picked up at the Jacksonville airport yesterday, it's, I don't know who it's made by, but somebody. <laughs> the boy said, one of them foreign jobs. <laughs> it, took, it, took me ten, it took me 10 minutes just sitting there in the parking garage yesterday to figure out how to turn the radio off. <laughs> Whoever had it before me had it turned on a rock station and turned up loud. And, and I, mean, I mean, not only did I not want people hearing that as I'm driving out, the, I, I didn't want to hear it. And I'm trying, I'm trying to get the, I mean, I mean, I mean literally, I sat there, I pushed every, I mean, I was getting out kicking the tires. <laughs> trying to shut the thing off. Now, folks, you say, well, you're, you're a little bit radical. You say whatever you want to. I'm having a big time. All right? And the part of the reason why Part of the reason why, after being married a lot of years to the same sweet lady, we're still happy about being together. Part of the reason our grown kids hug us 
coming and going. Part of the reason why our grandkids are, are doing well. Part of the reason for that is somewhere back there, we, we locked in and we said, the truth is what we're going to go with. We're going to build on that. Often, often when I was pastor in front of our people, I would say to them, I, I would say, listen, I'm telling you, the, the world, what they do down in the capital of Washington, D.C., what, what they do at the state capital in Annapolis, whatever goes on, I, listen, we, we are not, we are not, we are not going by anything except what's in this book. Amen. And I'm telling you, we had a pretty good bunch of our folks, pretty good crowd of us. And they signed on to that. People from all walks of life. A lot of them were political people. A good bunch of political people in our church there. One by one, some of them got saved there. <laughs> got out and ran for office. Listen, I'm telling you, God, God, God builds. He lets us build. And when we build out of the good stuff, you get down where your hair is getting thin and turning gray, and you'll be glad that you built out of the stuff that God laid out in front of you. Amen. Now, let me, let me just say, I've talked too much about me tonight. But let me just say, none of us are perfect. Nobody's a perfect parent. Nobody's a perfect man. Nobody's a perfect woman. We're all students. None of us are scholars. We're just students. We're trying to do what we ought to do, but I'm telling you, the commodities that God gives us here, the whole point of what I'm trying to tell you tonight is truth, wisdom, instruction, understanding. Buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, and never sell it, never sell it, never sell it, never sell it. I'm buying, not selling. I will invite you to buy and not sell. God, God's not chintzy. He, he'll, he'll let you buy every bit of that just like he'd let any one of us buy. You say, well, I'm just a housewife. Don't say just a. No. There's no such thing as just a housewife. No such thing as, well, I'm just a mechanic. Or I'm just a, no. No. If you are who you are and you're doing what you ought to be doing, you are somebody. And I want you to know tonight there is a way that will bless your life and bless your life and bless your life and bless your life. And it's built out of truth and wisdom and instruction and understanding. Let's sell out to him. Be sold out. But let's don't ever sell out to the other crowd. Stand up with me. Let's pray.